Hello, 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 parking launchers, and welcome to the first ever parking launch podcast, or as I have self-proclaimed it, the PLP. My name is Joshua Sternlicht. I work in the parking tech and mobility space at a company called Pavement. We're excited to be doing this. We thought it would be a great time to shake it up a bit, and, and why not? Is it crazy? I don't know. It, it can't be any crazier than the world is today. So, so why not do this? Let's, let's start a podcast for everyone in the parking world where their thoughts can be heard, challenges can be solved, a place where we can come together and help each other out. And you know what? If it's entertaining, hmm, so be it. So be it. Today's podcast is sponsored by... No, not yet. Not, not happening yet. We, um, it's the first one. Maybe someday. I don't know. Kick and dream. It's sponsored by my energy. Today I'm excited to be here. It's sponsored by my energy. Okay, so let's bring in our first ever guest here on the PLP. He has over 20 years of experience in the parking and driving operations industry. He was a speaker and panelist at the 2019 NPA convention. He's also an NPA Young Leaders Network co chairman. He's an expert in the field, but most importantly, he was my first friend in the business outside of pavement. Ladies and gentlemen, the Vice President of Operations at the Parking Company of America, Mr. Aaron Chavez. Hello, Aaron. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate the invite and uh, look forward to, uh, to talking to you here today. Oh, thanks for being here. You are a very sweet, sweet man for doing this. You're making history, being the first guest here on the PLP. Um, Wonderful. You know, I... First, I, first I, of many, let's, let's go with. What's that? First of many. I, you know it? Wow, we are just in the beginning and you're saying that? I mean, you are the best. Thank you for even uh, offering that up. We'll see how it goes by the uh, end of this podcast. But, um, <laughs> you you know, you I have a very vivid, my first vivid funny memory in the parking world was, was with you, was a funny memory about locking down my first parking contract in a parking lot. Yep. Do you remember that? Do you remember this? I do. I do. I remember sitting in uh, in my conference room in downtown LA, going over the product and different opportunities that we may have, and and here we are today, a couple of years later, with uh, with a with a forever changed industry for the better, some for worse, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely an evolving industry, and I'm glad that you're that glad that you're still a part of it. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, I mean that part where. Um, you know, we, it was, it was, it was three of us. You were the PCAM and you were the first company where I actually ha- locked down a lot and I was able to connect it to an existing customer of ours. And, um, you know, we were all together in the parking lot and there were still things to go over. Like we, we were right at the final stages of the contract. We just needed to go over a few things, make sure things were copacetic. And then we had to get like signage. And I just remember like being in the parking lot doing all this and thinking this is kind of weird but uh then i was like well i guess if you're in the parking business you do business in parking lots so i i was like no that that's not shady at all right parking business parking lots definitely not a boardroom definitely not a boardroom yeah i mean you would think it would be in a conference room in the office um but no we're conducting business in parking lots because we are in the parking business uh so I 20 years in the business you've been in yeah. and you're you're still a young guy. So you were a pretty young lad when you got started. I'm just curious, first of all, I'm always curious how everyone breaks into the parking industry. Can you even tell us how you got in and give us a brief overview of your your parking journey? 
You know what? Uh, yeah, definitely. So Parking Company of America is a, a family owned and operated company, uh, as we've discussed in the past. And I'm obviously I'm part of the Chavez family that started the company back in 64. Uh, so the integration into the industry was, uh, was seemingly at birth. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you know, once I decided, you know, where I was going to go post high school, whether that was going to be college, trades, so on and so forth, uh, I was working part time, uh, you know, in those later high school years, junior, senior year, just making some side money uh, with one of my uncles uh, doing some event parking in Anaheim uh, for the Angels and the Ducks. and. Um, you know, I, I started to kind of develop a, a feel for the business and, you know, the, the customer interaction, meeting and getting to know some of the regulars. I thought, well, you know, this could be a, this could be an interesting, an interesting career for me. Uh, so I decided to forego uh, the education route initially uh, and went, uh, you know, dove into, dove into the deep end per se with my uncle and tried to help him build his uh, event parking business. Uh, successfully, I might add, we did. Um, and I was with him uh, pretty much from 96 through, oh gosh, through about 2009, 2010, uh, consistently. Um, you know, just again, learning the business. Again, like I mentioned, we started doing just simple event parking, uh, offsite type, you know, uh, leasing different lots outside of uh, outside of Angel Stadium, outside of the Honda Center, uh, and just really getting to know the event parking industry. Um, then we got into, you know, more of your, your typical parking operations, valet, commercial, uh, and, and it just went from there. So uh, fast forward to today, you know, in 2020, VP of operations again for uh, PCA, still with the family, and uh, we've, we've grown considerably. Um, you know, we could save the the history of PCA for for another another time. It's a very long story, but uh, I am working for a different part of the family now, not my not my uncle any longer. But uh, but you know, it is a um, it's a good. It, it, it makes me feel good to know that PCA has lasted so long, uh, and, and you know, there's no end in sight. So uh, the family That's done, great. family has done a great job with building the brand. Uh, you know, different vines of the family tree. Uh, still operate across the U.S. under the PCA name, uh, but uh, again, here based in L.A., uh, working under Alex Chavez, uh, you couldn't, couldn't be happier. So it was, it's the bloodline that got you in, and uh, you were working with your uncle there. It, I have a question. So, you know, it's it's kind of funny. There's what I found now, like being in the industry for about five years, there's kind of like a transition going on. Look, for lack of a better word, we'll call it old school and new school. And, you know, I'm sure your uncle, you know, first started out and he was using, you know, like, let's just say all these old school methods and, and really technology was just coming on the horizon um, when you probably started to work with them. But I'm curious to see here, did you, when you first started out with your uncle, were you using any tech, any software, and um, when did you start even evolving? You know, did it start then, or when did it start evolving into some other technologies? Sure. So you know what? You know, back in '96, you know, uh, there was not very much technology at all in the parking industry, as you mentioned. You know, a few minutes ago, meeting in a parking lot, it was kind of, you know, different for you, uh, and, and so. 
you know, that's basically what it was, you know, surface parking lots, you know, there were obviously parking garages, commercial operations, but everything was cash based, uh, you know, very, very few credit card, you know, terminals or any, you know, automation was non-existent really at that point. Uh, so, you, you know, you mentioned old school, it's definitely very old school, manual tickets, cash based, uh, manual reporting, you know, very, very tedious on the accounting side and auditing side uh, for the back office. So um, it wasn't until, you know, probably early 2000s that we, you know, started to work with our, our various banks to get, you know, the, the handheld terminals out. But again, even at that time, there wasn't many wireless options. So you always had to have power outlets or data capability for Wi-Fi and that kind of thing. Um, so there were a lot of challenges even in the early 2000s, uh, getting up into the 2010s, obviously you started to see a lot of the, uh, the new vendors on the market come into play uh, with their solutions, uh, you know, and, and fast forward to today where the sky's the limit. So, um, so yeah, it, it really was a very, very old school approach, uh, you know, first half of my career. Um, and, you know, it was a, the learning curve turned very quickly once, once all of the new technology started coming out and I can, I, I'd be, you know, the first one to tell you, I likely still don't even know everything that is available out there. Uh, and that's why I rely on the NPA so much and attending the various conventions that happen throughout the year, PIE, IPMI, uh, because th there is just so much happening in the industry uh, over the last, you know, let's say five years, that it's very important to stay in front of what's out there, what's available, what is the best practice, uh, so that we can in turn, you know, put that into play at our, you know, our our owned and managed locations. Yeah. Um, okay. Let, let's, let's talk about that. The NPA, you're kind of a big deal at the NPA there. Uh, so no, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I definitely wouldn't say that. <laughs> I have gotten involved the last few years. I love the team at the NPA, uh, Linda Anderson. She's, she's wonderful. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just, I've done, I've done what I can to, to, to branch myself, uh, into that, you know, into that part of the industry. Uh, getting to know a lot of individuals within the organization and, uh, again, uh, volunteering and, and, and placing myself uh, available when I can. That's great. Yeah. So I'm very sad, uh, like everything else today, that the convention was canceled and it was going to be in New Orleans and it was going to be my first time going to New Orleans. And what better time to go to New Orleans for your first time than going to a parking convention. But I mean, I really was looking forward to this and right. it's, uh, and from what you say, I mean, you know, it's the parking industry. It's the kind of thing where you really wouldn't, an outsider would be like, what's parking. But when you're in it, there's, there's tons of interesting stuff, really. I mean, it's, so I was looking forward to it. I was also looking forward to New Orleans. Uh, you've told me about past conventions. They sounded great. Um, do you want to just talk briefly, like, what is there, is there another plan for the convention right now? What, what are they doing instead? Yeah, so definitely. I mean, while the, while the in-person convention has been unfortunately canceled due to COVID-19, as we can all imagine, uh, they are still proceeding with the conference. Uh, it's going to be virtual. They're calling it PMX Live, where parking meets uh, still September 14th to the 16th. Uh, it's going to be held online, so if you visit the NPA's website, uh, you can go ahead and find out more, you know, more information about that. Uh, but uh, I mean, and, and as a plug, the, the website is www.weareparking.org. Uh, 
uh, for more information. But uh, yeah, we're we're still in the planning phase. I am on the planning committee for for this. Uh, it's been kind of a, a hard left that we've had to make over the last few months, uh, converting this from an in-person event to a digital uh, virtual event. Um, but the plan is pretty much to try to carry it out as seamless as possible uh, from what you would see at an in-person event. So there will still be vendor presentations. Uh, there's still going to be speakers, uh, you know, different, different things that you would see at the conference. Um, certificate programs will still be available as well. Um, so again, while we're still in the planning phase, nothing's officially been announced. I'm not at liberty to go into specific details, but just know that uh, if you guys visit the website and, um, and are able to register, I think it's still going to be a very worthwhile uh, event to, uh, to participate in. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone's from conventions to all businesses, uh, not obviously just parking. We've had to, you know, make that hard left and and kind of figure out what to do. Um, you know, speaking of like all that pivoting now, when you spoke in 2019, you spoke about the future of valet parking. That's correct. Uh, and then it's like, hello, welcome 2020, right? Um, now, can you, can you tell us a little bit about what you spoke at that convention to how it's comparing to today um where you know wh- how is COVID affecting it where do you see the future of valet sure so yeah the future of valet uh you know is a very very broad topic uh again you're, you're talking uh rewinding you know just a little under a year ago uh when i spoke on the topic and uh you know there was a panel of colleagues from town park as well uh, that were available up on the, uh, on the platform. And, you know, we all, you know, kind of said, you know, which, how is this industry going to go? How is the ballet industry going to go, uh, at that, at that specific time, you know, thinking, and, and really you mentioned earlier technology, technology, you know, has become a big piece of the ballet industry, uh, converting from, you know, your, your manually issued ticket operation to, you know, going digital, your flash valets, your UBOs, uh, SMS and, and even pavement. I know pavement has developed a, bit of a ballet platform as well. That has been great. Um, and, you know, it's just basically converting the mentality of not only attendance, but, uh, your clients to, to adapt to this new technology. Um, you know, 2018, 2017, some of that started to rear its head. Uh, there were some challenges, especially on the semi-text-to-retrieve text to type systems, your ticket list valet, people weren't comfortable with giving up their phone numbers, uh, not comfortable with entering their payment information on a mobile device. But obviously, as we've gotten into 2019, now 2020, that's almost the norm everywhere you go. Um, and we'll yeah. get to, you know, current status with, you know, with, with COVID-19 and, and, you know, adaptation that we've had to face because of that in a second. But yeah, just, you know, it was, my my input was heavily focused on what types of technologies are, are out there currently, what's going to come down the pipeline, and, and how can we, uh, you know, utilize all aspects of the business to make it a seamless integration. Because, again, converting that mentality of, you know, the, the, the you know, the sim- simplicity, I guess you could say, for an attendant just to hand somebody a ticket versus now having to use a device, type in a phone number, take pictures of a vehicle. Um, it's obviously a much more uh, seamless process for the company. It, it streamlines payments. It uh, reduces loopholes as far as damage claims. 
uh, you know, employee theft, things along those lines. But again, um, just getting the getting the buy in uh, and, and how to do that. What's the best process with that? Uh, you know, and, and moving to today. Um, now, obviously, 2020, March 13th, to be exact, we we all in the United States and across the world <laughs> seemingly had a, a shutdown, right? And, mm-hmm. and across all all facets of the parking industry, and we're just now starting to see that come back up. Um, so these, you know, technological solutions uh, being as contactless as possible is going to be really huge moving forward, I think. Um, although I will say some of the properties that we've reopened and whether it's scary or not sure what side of the fence you guys are on, but, uh, a lot of individuals have gone right back to ballet and acted like this was back in March. So, um, <laughs> I think people are just anxious to get back to quote unquote normal or, you know, normalcy, but yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah. Yeah. That was, that was my next question. I mean, um, Look, I, I, what, what's going to happen right in the future, I, immediate future, who knows? But people, uh, the other question was, um, because of COVID, has there been, and you've, you've reopened uh, a few lots, and have you reopened your valet lots? Yeah, so a couple of our hotels we have reopened uh, in Orange County, uh, beach communities. And again, like I mentioned, in the weeks leading up to, to reopening these sites, nobody knew how it was going to go. Right. So we prepared for, for everything, your, your sanitization, your gloves, your, your masks, uh, steering wheel covers, floor mats, you know, the whole nine, we put together an entire, uh, you know, uh, continuity plan per se that we yeah. were presenting to our, to our clients ahead of reopen, letting them know that we would be prepared to be as thorough as possible with reopening. Um, I can be perfectly honest in saying, you know, the customer base has been such that they just want to get back to normal. And yeah, they have, there were no questions on ballet Our ballet uh, percentage from ballet to self part was, was nowhere near what we thought it was going to be. I mean, we we're still over 90, 90, even close to 95% in some cases, ballet versus self, where we thought there were going to be so many individuals that just would have rather self part their car. So I'm actually pleasantly surprised at, um, you know, at, at the uh, kind of picking up where we left off, so to speak, uh, in March, uh, now that we're reopening. Um, again, uh, you know, putting a pause on that conversation for a second, we still don't know how COVID-19 is going to play out. Right. Uh, there's still no vaccine available. We, we don't know if there's going to be a second, third, fourth wave. I mean, there's still so many unknowns, but I do know what I do know for sure is people are ready to get back to business and, and to get back to living their lives and parking, believe it or not, is a huge, huge component of, of daily life. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that I, that's a crazy outcome. I would never have predicted that people would be, I mean, even I get the antsiness and you want to go out, but I would never have predicted that valet would be, so up and running, you know, I just thought people would be more nervous. Maybe that's even if a second wave wave does happen, maybe in the future, people will still be inclined to um, want to valet park, valet park. And that's where it's kind of interesting, interesting with the technology, because 
I mean, if there is the silver lining where once people weren't receptive to this technology and, and to putting in your phone number and the and you know and the contact lists and and even parking operators, you know, they were still kind of thinking it was it's too hard to to move up to this technology. It's like what is the necessity is the mother of all invention. You know, it's like everybody now is it's expediting the use of this technology, and people are seeing how it's so helpful in the current situation. Right. Right. It is definitely uh, helpful. And, and I'll be perfectly honest. I was one of those individuals and, and to an extent I still am depending on the property uh, and, and volume and, and, and just, you know, uh, scope of work surrounding the, the various properties we, we own and manage. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, once you implement the technology and you see how, much it streamlines the process and how easy it is to use it. And I think on both sides, on, on the operator side and the user side, uh, you know, it becomes a no brainer at that point. I mean, you know, uh, going outside the parking industry for a minute, I mean, even restaurants now that are reopening are going to contactless menus, contactless payment. And I was just out to dinner. I went out for the first time to go sit in a restaurant and, uh, you know, QR code to scan and get the menu, ordered the food on my phone. It was delivered right to my table, paid for the check. I mean, it was very, very quick, very easy. And that's what a lot of these applications for parking do. Uh, yeah. That way or otherwise. So um, I think just getting individuals used to using the, you know, the technology once, twice, three times, you know, becomes a habit. And then, you know, then you never look back. It's funny how it happened. Usually it's like, okay, we don't have the technology. And so we find the need and we, we make the technology. It was, it's a kind of, we've had this horrible situation, luckily, really in a lot of businesses that the technology of this contactless digital availability was there. So in some ways there was some silver lining that you, you were able to come up with some solutions during all of this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that th- those lots, uh, that valley service, that's kind of in Orange County, right, of, of LA, of okay. um, of California. Correct. Yeah, Orange County, Southern California, uh, Huntington Beach, to be exact. Uh, and, and, but again, yeah, I mean, even some of our LA properties uh, up in the Bay Area. I mean, we operate for a few high level client uh, clients, uh, and as soon as we got the green light to reopen, uh, quite a few of those locations are heavily reliant upon. Uh, valet assist or stack parking per se. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I mentioned, pleasant surprise, you know, uh, the, the, there was little to no pushback uh, from the user base as far as uh, anything related to COVID goes. And I think part of that does, uh, you know, is attributed to the fact that our staff is fully prepared. I mean, we are still mm-hmm. requiring masks uh, where it is mandated. Uh, we are more than more than definitely placing uh, hand sanitizer stations, utilizing steering wheel covers or gloves at various facilities that are, you know that we deem necessary. So they see immediately pulling up to our attendant that we are uh, that we are taking the situation seriously. That it's not just uh, you know going back into pre-COVID days, and, and uh, so I think that that's helped you know streamline the process and alleviate some of the potential concern that we never had to deal with. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it may be stating the obvious, but it, you got to put your best face out there, right? So right. you have to ensure your customers, which sounds like you were doing, and it's what all companies have to doing, 
do, that they're doing the things that make customers feel safe as they come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's California. I know that PCAM, you're not just based in California. You have lots in Kansas, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Um, so you kind of have an idea of what's been going on regionally, but there's sort of, you have a national sense, I guess. Do you, can you give a, a brief breakdown, how it's comparing in those other states to here? Are there similarities? Are there differences? Can, can you talk about that? Well, as far as similarities go, I mean, it's definitely, you know, this has affected the entire world, right? So there were, there was definitely an, an immediate downturn. Uh, in March, mid-March, and, and moving up until up until now. Uh, caveat about Wisconsin, we did uh, sell off the, the properties that we did uh, have in Wisconsin about a year ago. Ah, no bad research. Ago. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, <laughs> we were definitely, we, we were in, in Wisconsin for many years, uh, still in Kansas, still in Georgia. Uh, Wisconsin and Kansas, um, you know, to, to the listener that may sound like, wow, random states to be in outside of California and Georgia. Uh, those were, those were semi uh, natural extensions of our business in California. We had clients that we were dealing with, uh, here, uh, in, in Southern California and Northern California, respectively that had relocated out to those areas and just opportunities presented themselves. Uh, we've always kept the mentality that we are, we are willing to expand and open to expand anywhere. Uh, as long as it makes sense, right? And as long as there's, um, you know, as long as there's demand and, and PCA can can grow as a brand in those markets. So, uh, you know, the Milwaukee area when we got into it was, you know, the parking the parking market was nearly non-existent when we got into to that market, and uh, we did have, uh, I believe, we had I want to say five or six locations only in that in that city, uh, ballet and surface lot mix. Um, that, that were good to us. They were very good to us, but just uh, as the years progressed, uh, there was some development on a couple of our properties and the the, uh, the facilities that we were involved with uh, slowly started to reduce. So we decided to, uh, to, to back out of that market. Kansas, uh, we're in the Wichita market in Kansas. Uh, we have a very, very good regional manager out there. Uh, and he uh, oversees that city for us. Uh, that's been very good. It's a, it's in the downtown area. As you can imagine, Wichita compared to a market like Atlanta or Los Angeles, much, much smaller. Um, so uh, Andrew, our manager there, has used his contacts as well as our, our VP that oversees him in that region uh, to try to continue to grow our business as much as possible there. Uh, we just uh, want to say on the 3rd of June, we're able to reopen our locations in the city uh, there and it started to get back to somewhat normal their commercial locations um so uh, so yeah regarding Atlanta, is it uh, i'm sorry go ahead is it so it's not is it it's not moving as quickly right now would you say is that what you're getting at it's yeah, it's, it's not a little slower quickly, but again it, it's it there's not as much demand to return right as there would be in a los angeles market just for you know for obvious reasons, uh, there's not as much, right. um, and in that vein, that area was not hit as hard either. Uh, so the quote unquote, you know, deviation from normal wasn't as bad as it was in some of our larger markets. So, uh, so I, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, California, I understand we're kind of forward thinking and 
technology and all that. I mean, in, in states, not to say that Kansas and Georgia aren't, I'm just curious, in other states, um, are you using technology in these states that you're at, like uh, the Wichita market and in Georgia? Are you, where are you in Georgia? Is it Atlanta? Yeah, so in Georgia, what we have, we, we manage and own and manage a uh, off-airport facility that runs under Peachy Airport Parking. Um, again, as I mentioned, uh, Parking Company of America is a family-owned and operated company that's started back in the 60s. There's a separate entity of Parking Company of America uh, in the Atlanta market. So as such, not to compete with them with the same name, uh, we did do a slight rebrand under Peachy Airport Parking uh, at the facility that we, uh, that we own and manage uh, outside of the uh, Jackson Hartsfield Airport. Um, so we, again, Airport off airport parking, we run buses to and from uh, the airport on a daily basis, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So, as you can imagine, uh, yeah, you know, going, you know, you probably know where I'm going with this. When COVID hit, obviously the airline industry took a nosedive, nosedive. yeah. Uh, so, as such, so did our business, unfortunately. Uh, and that has been very, very slow to rebound, uh, you know, as people are now starting to get a little more comfortable with traveling. Uh, our numbers have started to go up slightly, but that that piece of business, I think, is going to be uh, one of the longer, you know, longer term uh, rehabilitation projects that we have to deal with. Uh, regarding technology, it is a semi-automated facility that we do utilize there. Uh, on the parking side, on the transportation side, we do have uh, an application for that facility specifically where uh, riders can book parking, book rides, uh, real-time GPS, see where our shuttles are, um, ETA to, to each stop, that kind of thing. Uh, so we are utilizing technology there. And in our, in our Kansas market, it's, uh, it is a little bit more of the quote-unquote old-school approach. Uh, we do have uh, some older parks equipment in play there. Uh, we are in the process of upgrading that. Uh, so we are going to be slowly upgrading that market. But again, the Los Angeles, you know, Southern and Northern California, up in Northern California, I continue to mention, we, we are pretty heavily uh, operating in the East Bay area. So Oakland, Berkeley, and then down into the South Bay. We're not too involved on the San Francisco side of the Bay just yet. We have been on a few projects up there, but we have not uh, really broken into that market. Um, so we stay out on the East Bay and the South Bay side uh, of the Bay area. So, but uh, you know, uh, regarding the use of technology in those areas, yeah, I mean, you know, the various park systems that are out there, WPS, Hub, the Cigna. I mean, we, 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 uh, we have good relationships with all vendors uh, in the industry mm -hmm. and, and we utilize a very, you know, variety of, of different park systems, software, uh, even down to your, you know, reservation systems, your spot heroes arrive. And of course, pavement as yourself. <laughs> uh, Thank we, you. We, we utilize pavement quite heavily in the LA market, as you know. So, uh, yes. So yeah, so we are, you know, we definitely are in touch with the technology and, and implement it wherever possible. So let's talk about the the park systems and the hardware. Now I know the parks is a uh, parking and revenue parking um, revenue control systems, yeah. control systems. And so I know you have you have a few of those downtown with gates, um, and you just mentioned you use them. I'm kind. Of, I just want to hear: Are they? Do you? Do you love them? Uh, do the, does it make everything easier? Are, is it 
more trouble than they're worth? Is, is it worth the amount that it costs to install them? What have you found since you've implemented the, the parks? It absolutely is worth, uh, you know, worth, worth the investment and the ROI for either an owner or, uh, you know, a client that you're purchasing the equipment for uh, is definitely there. I will say that uh, it's been my experience, at least, that going completely automated without any type of attendant is, is, is a very, very touchy practice, um, especially, you know, given where you're implementing these, these park systems. You know, as you can imagine, a healthcare facility is much different than a commercial building, you know, than a hotel. So uh, there is always going to be, in my opinion, a need for attendant services, whether that's enforcing parking, uh, customer service ambassador type of a role, that kind of thing, traffic direction. Um, you know, uh, so I, I, we, we very rarely have gone completely 100% attendantless, even at our automated facilities. Um, right. But again, you are able to reduce the amount of staff that, that you would need greatly on these facilities. And, and that has definitely come into play and led to a better, uh, I shouldn't say a better, but a much faster, you know, ROI, uh, on this, on this type of a purchase. But, um, yeah, no, again, yeah. you know, I have not run into any issues personally, uh, with the company. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That makes, it makes sense. I mean, to also have, um, that the fact that you can reduce labor is a good thing, but you still need, some labor on site and just to ensure whether it's enforcement, making sure everything's going okay. Uh, that makes sense to me. You mentioned that you're, you know, you were looking to upgrade in some of these other cities, but I would think right now, I mean, to, can you give a rough estimate on how much one of these costs to install? You know, that's really hard to do because it, it really just depends on the size and scope of your facility. I mean, uh, you can, yeah, I mean that's a really tough question to answer. Yeah, because again, um, do you put in credit card only versus credit and cash? Do you have pay stations, uh, pay on foot stations? Do you mm -hmm. uh, do uh, payment upon entry? I mean, there's so many different ways you can go with with automation and and, and parks and park systems. Uh, yeah, to put a number on it is is. I mean, when I say, you know, when I say there's you know. It's too much of a variable to put a number, put a number on it. Um, I will say that all, all all of the vendors on the market are pretty competitive with their pricing, um, and it's really on preference on on what you like as far as aesthetics or uh, back office software that kind of thing goes, or or integrations. Um, right. Some of the some of the operators do offer uh, you know more than others from what I've seen, uh, but again, not to you know not to get into any names or anything. But just uh, I, I know that uh, different different operating companies have their favorites, and as do we. Um, so uh, yeah, I, again, it's a very competitive pricing market, and, and but putting an actual number on it, I think that's just too difficult to come up with. At least off the top. Yeah, of the I, yeah, I got you. It's like it sounds like it's obviously there's a broad scope in pricing. I think what I was trying to get at, at is. You know, right now where lot owners and developers were maybe looking into upgrading their system, that kind of, it, it is a pretty penny. It could get expensive yeah. and that budget is probably on hold right now. Um, and I wanted to know if you felt that there was any, you know, uh, a, a, a better 
uh, source of hardware and software that can kind of bridge the gap between that this time that you are go- going to install maybe a park system um, that can bridge the gap that you that is essential right now to use until you can maybe afford the upgrade. Sure. Well, I, I definitely, I definitely see even pre-COVID uh, that the contactless payment and, and gateless options are are becoming you know more prevalent in the industry. Uh, so if a if a company has the ability or the manpower to uh, you know to enforce these lots and go gateless, I think that is one way that you eliminate the need for. Or park systems. And when I say gateless, I'm referring to your park mobile. Uh, you know, I know Pavement is is working on a product uh, similar uh, to where it's you know QR code or text to pay based. Um, so basically, what that would entail is, you know, for those that aren't familiar, it would be you pull into a lot. Either the lot has a specific lot code where you text a, a four or five digit number to a specific assigned number for your lot. And you can pay that way. Uh, you scan a QR code with your mobile device, and it, brings, it sends you a link to pay for your parking. Uh, that again essentially eliminates the need for ticket spitters, gates, things along those lines. Uh, and, and you know, as long as you can enforce it properly, uh, because again, uh, in a scenario where somebody may just need to pull into your lot for five or ten minutes, you don't have an attendant on site that person could think that he or she could just get away with leaving their car running and doing what their business was and coming back without having to pay. Whereas if you had gates and tickets, that person would, you know, at that point, you know, be, be you know, forced to accommodate or, or not accommodate, but forced to comply with the payment requirement. So um, enforcement is a really big piece of the gateless aspect. Uh, but again, if, if you can run your numbers and make it worthwhile, uh, it's definitely more cost efficient than, you know, a, a six figure parking equipment install, uh, or a seven figure yeah. in some cases. Uh, so that's one way. Um, and again, uh, looking at those larger number installations, uh, I do think that depending on the level of staffing that you have at a site, you can weigh your ROI on savings and labor costs versus installing this equipment. Again, you do have mm-hmm. to figure in upgrades over time and, and eventual replacement into that, uh, whereas your employer or your employee costs are generally static year over year, you know, with the exception of wage increases and whatnot. But, uh, you know, there, there is, you know, there, there are some, some scenarios where, uh, even a six or seven figure purchase would save you money in the long run, as opposed to maintaining a attendant in a parking booth per se. Right. Um, do you use uh, like cameras to take license plates? Do you do you have do you have that technology in any of your lots? And you know, are cameras a less expensive route to go with license plate scanning? Yes, they are. Uh, and, and we do we do use LPR technology at a few of our lots uh, for monthly parking. Uh, entry and entry and exit, uh, you know, as well as just uh, you know inventory control. So um, yeah, it is utilized. Um, and again, scenario based. You know, residential it's big, commercial it's it's big, especially if you have nested areas. Um, so yeah, it's definitely in use, one hundred percent. 
I'm curious about online sales. I was thinking about this. I mean, if I, you know, I would think people now, because I do it too, are more methodical about when they go out, right? They want to like know where they're going. Um, and I feel they are using, there would be an uptick in online sales since COVID. And I was curious, have, um, have you seen that? Like how have online sale channels impacted existing demand and revenue for you? They haven't yet, unfortunately. Again, as you know, it's been a slow, uh, slow reopen. I guess you could say, as it relates to folks that are getting back out that need to do, you know, daily business in a civic center type area, or uh, you know, entertainment itself really isn't back. So event parking is still very, very limited uh, with with the demand. So we, to be honest, haven't seen much by way of online sales or online reservations come back hmm. just yet. Um, but it is definitely going to be there. I 100% think it's going to be there. And I also think that there's going to be more opportunity to partner with venues uh, if you have adjacent parking facilities too, uh, because of the facts that you mentioned. Folks are going to be looking for one-stop shop uh, to, you know, and I know it's already in play at some facilities as well. And Ticketmaster has options. I mean, there it's 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 not a post-COVID uh, introduction by any means, but I think that folks that were not using it before will definitely consider uh, going that route just because uh, you know, the, the, removing as many touch points as possible is going to be key. Yeah, I mean, you're saying you haven't really seen that quite yet because it's kind of still the beginning, but just uh, like the hypothesis is that people will be looking more into those avenues to help them. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, uh, so, so in some cities, I'm curious, because I'm curious to understand the, the public transportation in Los Angeles. And, you know, LA is such a car city, but in the last 10 years, right, we've been putting so much money into our public transportation infrastructure. Um, you know, now you can go from downtown to the beach and we're building all these metro lines. Um, and so, I, you know, I know in some cities where public transportation was so popular and that's pretty much what people use like New York, Chicago. One of the ways, look again, if there's a silver lining to cushion the blow was that those people were afraid to take public transportation right now. And they were opting to drive into work and, or daily parkers would, would, instead of using public transportation, they would park at lots. And so that was helping out a little bit to, to recoup some of the losses. Um, Here in LA, I'm, I'm curious about, if you have any indication from your experience, while since we're building this public transportation, have you before COVID, did you see an actual drop in reservations as due to that? And since COVID, have you seen an uptick in reservations because people are not taking public transportation as much as they used to be? Sure. So, so pre-COVID, I think that there was a, a little bit of a dip, and it, again, it's scenario based, right? In that. Everybody's looking for the easiest to and from. And with traffic in the LA market being what it is, I mean, I personally drive from Orange County to Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles on a daily basis. And, and you know, with peak traffic, I mean, you're talking from my, where my home is in Anaheim to my office, it can be an hour and 30 hour and 45 minute one way drive. So, yeah. Uh, given the fact that I have to be on the road so much to visit my different locations, visit clients, public transportation for me personally, wasn't, was very rarely an option or is very rarely an option. Uh, but the times that I have taken it, that's cut that commute in half, uh-huh. uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes more than that. So, um, 
So I think that those that that def, doesn't don't necessarily need their vehicle daily. If maybe if they work in a downtown area where they can walk to lunch or you know their bank is nearby, things along those lines. I think those individuals were were taking advantage of the many options of the and we're looking forward to the continued you know implementation of, of more options on the public transportation side. Now coming out of COVID, you know there is going to be some skepticism. I think jumping back into that just because folks are going to be concerned about cleanliness, sanitization, social distancing. Uh, again, we are a transportation company as well, so we've had to reduce our capacity in our vehicles by more than half in some in some scenarios. Um, you know, but in the same token, we've been doing everything we can to assure our clients and our ridership that our vehicles are just as clean, if not cleaner now than they were pre-COVID. So the, the concern about, you know, uh, hygiene and, and, and who was on that bus prior to them getting on and getting off yeah. uh, is, is, is not necessarily the concern that, you know, on the surface it would be. So just like with parking, with our different clients, reintroducing services, reopening services, the same goes for transportation, if not more, because there's just so many uh, variables physically coming in and out of your uh, respective vehicles. Um, and, and so uh, it remains to be seen as, you know, some of our uh, contracted services have yet to ramp back up uh, just because ridership uh, is still so low. The unemployment rate is unfortunately still very, very high uh, in the state of California and across the U.S. Um, so, you know, it, it does remain to be seen how it's going to look coming out of COVID. But, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that speaking for PCA and as well as colleagues in the industry, I know that our, our companies respectively are doing everything we can to uh, ensure those folks that took advantage of that service that, um, they will be well taken care of and that there would be no reason to shy away from continuing to use it. Um, mm. For companies that only provide parking services, they might not want to hear that. We <laughs> 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 provide it on both sides. Um, you know, it's very, very uh, important to us to ensure that that's the case. Right. Um, so let, let's, let's, on top of that, let's go to the future for a second. I mean, we're going to get out of this, right? Let's, we're going we're gonna to get through this. Um, but look, you see it in LA, you see it in all these cities. They are moving towards becoming, quote unquote, smart cities. We want to reduce congestion, traffic. We want to be good for the environment. Um, so public transportation is increasing. It's becoming a better way to move around into these smart cities. And so you're a parking lot owner. I, I know the space is going to be needed. People are going to be needed this space. Like, but do you see the usage of your lots changing? And how do you see that changing? Have you been approached today in other ways that uh, we can use lots for, this, for the case of smart cities? Sure. So, I mean, obviously during the COVID situation, we were open to any suggestions, anything to fill that space, right? So, I mean, uh, additional parking for rental car agencies. I mean, as you can see, it was, uh, there were stories nationally showing how Angel Stadium and Dodger Stadium here in, in Southern California, their parking lots with, with no baseball games were, were full of rental cars. So, <laughs> if you're driving mm. by on the freeway, you see the parking lot, you would think there's a game going on. There were that many cars in the parking lot. And they're still there, actually. Uh, I live in close proximity to Angel Stadium, and again, every day I get off the freeway, I see 
uh, you know, parking lot is full. And I imagine, uh, you know, I'm hopeful for the days when I'm also seeing seats or fans in the seats as well. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, of course. but yeah, so, you know, I, I think there are going to be, um, you know, uh, different types of way, ways to utilize, you know, available parking space. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, the, the smart city approach, um, whether that's through rideshare, uh, you know, there were, there were companies pre COVID, you, you know, your Turo get around, uh, that were, uh, approaching us, uh, for space to utilize for their, um, quote unquote, uh, you know, rental cars per se. Um, so I, I think just, you know, uh, people have additional fleet of shuttles that they're looking to park right now. So it, it really just, it really varies. I think coming out of this, it was, uh, should say going into this, it was on a, a very, very, uh, you know, up, upward swing and, and all of a sudden that took a dive and coming out of it, is it, is it going to be rethought? We'll see. It remains to be seen, but you know, just, um, general, generally speaking, you know, it's all been, it's all been tied to vehicles and excess vehicles. Yeah. I mean, I, I really see that it, things will change, but if you have the lots and you have that space, I just think, um, you know, just because there might be parkers, less parkers, you're going to need that space for all the new, whether it's, I don't know, maybe you're, you're docking scooters and bikes. Maybe it's like the Lyft drivers that need to temporarily, temporarily park, you know, while they're off peak hours. Um, charging stations. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a change, but that's where I feel like you'll, you'll kind of pivot and and see where you know where the revenue and where the revenue will come in and how you'll make those changes by having the space will be a good thing right yeah you mentioned charging stations i mean we definitely have charging station capability and, and space to do that it's just uh I, I think the challenge with charging stations internally with 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 the various clients that i have and i even had a discussion with one yesterday was is do you monetize that right do you do you charge those individuals to utilize the chargers uh, if they're not a tenant of the building or or tied to the property in which they're located uh, because we've found at least initially that if you do kind of try to monetize that or put a charge on that the use is almost non-existent um, hmm. whereas if it's a free service offered then of course everybody is you know using it so i think that the the, the factors there would be before you look at that as an option, definitely meet with your respective clients and see what that extra cost would be on the property if we were to, you know, you know, maximize the use of, you know, X number of, of charging stations on the property. What would your electricity bill then look like if that was the case? Because uh, in some scenarios, it might be worth it uh, to offer that amenity, but in other cases, um, you know, going through the infrastructure costs to put those in only to have them sit there empty might not, you know, might not make sense. So uh, I, I think definitely think charging stations is, is, is a great way to go as long as it makes sense. Uh, scooters, things along those lines, um, you know, there, there's always liability around that. Uh, if, it's a, if it's being utilized for a storage, simply a storage solution, uh, I would say that that is something that, you know, a company like mine would look into. Uh, but if it's a scenario where you're talking about pickup, drop off, you know, that's, you're get, kind of getting into a little bit of a gray area because you wouldn't want anybody to, 
get injured on your property, right? So if they're you know, picking up a scooter at your lot and they trip or fall yeah. or going out of your lot, that becomes a major red flag. So again, these yeah. are all scenario-based ideas that are great. Um, and, and, you know, in this market, we're open to anything. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I was just talking about, what you just said, it's also that could be in the future, too. I mean, it might not make sense right now for charging stations. You'll have to see, you know, in 10, 20 years where we're at, where the demand might be there. That's such it's like it makes sense. Like you'll have to have charging stations and people will need to to hook up. I don't know what will be, but if we're going in that direction, it might seem it might seem the route that uh, is taken. Right. Exactly. Um. All right. Awesome. Aaron, we're going to get to the uh, test your knowledge part of the podcast here. I just want you to know, yep, I uh, I got some three questions for you in the parking world. I just want you to know that I didn't have to look any of these up. Um, I knew them, so no pressure for you. Wonderful. Okay. Let's start with question number one. Where can you find the largest car park in the world? Where can you find the largest car park in the world? Hmm. I would think it would be somewhere in Europe, likely, but uh, let's see. Hmm. Actually, now that I think about it, I thought I had heard that their largest was in Canada. My hot uh, cold. My hot <laughs> you're hot. Oh. <laughs> Oh my God! Are you googling quietly in the West Edmonton Mall in Canada with okay. twenty thousand spaces? Okay, I I remembered I remembered off I I didn't remember where exactly, but I do remember the city, the, the province. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Okay, yeah. question number two: The first ever parking meter was named Park O Meter Number One and was put in Oklahoma on the sixteenth of June, nineteen thirty-five. Wow. How much? Did the machine charge per hour in uh, 1935? This is going to be a wild guess because I have no clue, but I'll say 35 cents. Less. Wow. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, second guess, 10 cents. Less. No, you're kidding. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what is it? Five cents? Five cents. Ding, ding, ding. Five cents. Oh, oh my Crazy. Oh my I mean, what? how long did that buy you? <laughs> an, an hour per hour. Okay. All right. Not bad. We got to go back to 1935. Um, okay. Question number three. Last question. Okay. Where is, where is the most expensive parking space ever located? Bonus question. How much is it? I'm going to say, I'm going to say Manhattan. Is that right? It's not right. Oh, San Francisco. According to my San Francisco. According to my uh yes, I did research this. I don't know. You might be right. And I was thinking the same thing, but it said in Hong Kong. Okay. And it was traded for six hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars. Am I wrong on that? Is that I, I don't know. Again, that was a guess. I, I I need to brush up on my obscure parking trivia. <laughs> I guess so do I. Um, listen, thank you so much for doing this. I will take you up on that offer of you coming back. Hopefully, this is the first of many. I would love to go through the history of PCA with you. I'm sure there's some good stories there. 
But really, Aaron, thank you so much for doing this uh, and being our, our, our first ever uh, parking launch guest. Glad to do it and uh, look forward to, uh, to continuing the professional relationship as well. Me too, Aaron. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Parking Launchers, for tuning in. Until the next one, stay safe, stay healthy, and like my mom always says, this too shall pass. We'll see you next time. Go Eagles on the bus, go Eagles.